0: Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth Podcast. To stay connected, go to RevivalToday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan.
1: Please give the warmest Pittsburgh welcome you've ever given anybody to a great man of God and my friend, Dr. Rodney Howard-Brown. Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus the biggest shout of praise. Lift those hands to heaven. Father, thank you for hungry ones that have come tonight, that not one will leave you the same way that they've come. Thank you for what you did last night, what you did this morning, what you're going to do tonight. Touch each and every person. Let the fire of heaven come upon your people tonight. Fresh oil from heaven be poured out upon them. Let the wind of heaven blow. Let the new wine be poured out. Let the river of God run through this place. Cause the effect even of this meeting tonight to have far reaching results even unto eternity, we pray. We see America shaken by your mighty hand. Thank you, Lord, you're not done with this country. Thank you, Lord, the devil can't have this land. As long as we are here... He can't touch it because you put us here, Lord. You sent us. Thank you for your people tonight. Set them ablaze. Just like the old African-American preacher prayed, he said, Lord, dip me in the kerosene in thy spirit and set my heart ablaze that I may burn for you. Dip them in the kerosene of the Holy Ghost and set them afire tonight. We pray this now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's a high level of intoxication yet tonight. If you're, not, if you're not sure what that is, that's a new wine of heaven. Amen. You can drink of that new wine that comes from the grapes that have been freshly squeezed. That come from the vineyards of heaven. One grape will carry you for three months. Amen. Just one grape. It's time to dump the vinegar of religion and tradition and grab a hold of the new wine of heaven. Amen. You believe that? I want you to turn and greet two or three people, tell them you love them, Jesus loves them, and then you may be seated. We welcome you here. Many friends, people we love, so glad to see you, and so glad to be here with our dear friend, (laughs) and his wife and precious family, amen. I love them very much. The book of Jeremiah, I want to read a passage of Scripture to you. Tonight, the Lord spoke to me about America, talking about America tonight, and I believe God's going to anoint people here for this nation tonight. These people tonight, they're going to receive special assignments, just like this church. God's raised us up in 18 months, and of course, the evangelistic ministry that Jonathan carries is... I mean, he, he, he might make some trips overseas, but he really, really is focused on the United States, which that's been our cry that God will raise up. I remember when I first came, at least a 100 fiery Holy Ghost evangelists, and many were raised up. They just started hanging with the wrong people. The fire went out, and I met them along the way. They have shadow of their, 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 their former self. They just hung out with the wrong people who told them, that whatever God did back in the 90s, God stopped doing that. It's funny how he never told me, still doing what he did. I guess he never informed me. I've still been just running with the fire like I did all those years ago. But they received other information from certain prophets, who we still don't know who they are, but they informed them prophetically or pathetically that God had stopped doing what he was doing. God doesn't stop doing what he does. Are you with me? He's not done. And so, uh but anyway, let me read, uh, I won't, I'll leave the pathetic, I mean the prophetic, pathetic alone tonight. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, he said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee, a prophet unto the nations. So God calls certain people with certain assignments. God called me as a young boy to America as a missionary, now of course, We've been here many years, this um, arrived December of 87, so the old decade of the 90s, the next decade, the following decade, we're into the fourth decade of just being here in this great land, and God's not done. And then I said, Oh Lord God, be on him, I cannot speak, for I'm a child. And the Lord said, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go unto all that I'll send thee, and whatsoever I commanded thee, thou shalt speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I'm with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I've set thee this day over nations, over kingdoms. Watch this now. To root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down and build and plant, which people don't realize that's the power of the gospel that does that. So, you know, these people say, well, we just got to go around and be nice, but that's not the ministry. Jesus, <laughs> they wanted to kill him. Are you with me? And they finally did kill him. And every one of the apostles, basically, they put to death. Uh, the only one was John. Who they tried to kill him, couldn't get right, you know, tried I think, to, think, the boil him in oil. Didn't work. And... Uh, he died of old age, but the rest of them were slaughtered, you know. So a lot of people say, I want to follow Jesus. Well, it might mean you get slaughtered. He said, I've set thee over the nations, over kingdoms. It must say, root out. out. Pull, down, pull destroy, down. Destroy. Throw down. Throw and down. then build and plant. Most of what you hear about in ministry today is about building and planting. But if you know anything about building, if you don't go and do the other, if you don't root out, pull down, destroy, and throw down, whatever you build and plant is going to be corrupted. You have to bring in the heavy loaders, the the graders. You have to uproot everything. You have to remove those other foundations. Are you with me? That's the reason why many churches fail today, because they took over a house that Jack built. Church has been going for 60 years, and it's just there. It's a building, that's all. But everybody has been there since day one. Same ladies on the piano, plunking away. She could have played honky-tonk piano back in the 1920s in some saloon out west. But she's hanging on for dear life. That's her position, you know. The dead, the head deacon, basically now he's used as a walker. I mean, there's times, you know, I've gone to churches. I thought, my God, could you know? i watched people try to come and catch, and then they ca- you tell the guy, look, just sit down. You will have an aneurysm. Just take a chill. But there's no room for new life to come through. Are you with me? And so they, they try to go in, and I've, I've seen a lot of my friends, they love to take over church buildings, of existing church buildings. They'll give, they'll give anything for a building. It doesn't matter if there's five people there, boy. They'll sacrifice an arm and a leg to take over a building. You go there, they say, I want you to come and have a Bible in my church. I can't have a Bible in your church. Do you know the history of that place? The pastor before killed his mother-in-law and buried her underneath the baptismal font. No, I'm making up some story here, but you don't even want to know some of the stories. And then you go in there. That church already has a stigma attached to it. it already, that thing is cursed. The best thing you gonna do is bring in some dynamite, blow the thing up, bulldoze the whole thing down, and use it as a, a place to recycle sewage. Are you with me? Trying to raise the dead in some dead place. I walk into these buildings, look at them. Lord have mercy. Anyway, don't get me started on that. That's why I'm not in love with old church buildings, just so you know. Hello. We've got these people running around calling themselves apostles and they taking over existing church buildings. I wouldn't give anything for the church. Places filled. With a bunch of deadheads, 65 minutes, the whole service is over. Thank God, because you couldn't tolerate it anymore. Are you with me? If the Holy Ghost showed up, they wouldn't even know. The smoke from the smoke machines, they think it's the glory of God. If something actually caught on fire, they wouldn't know there was a fire. They think it was the glory of God. The place is burning, bro. Get out. Get <laughs> out. And these young punk kids who don't carry any weight in the spirit come in and ruin what their father built under the anointing. They come, they don't even believe in the rapture anymore. They don't believe in the catching away of the church. They don't believe in tithing. And I can go on and on and on. They should be taken outside in the back and horsewhipped. Wow. Amen. Wet behind the ears. You have to walk up and wipe the snot off their noses. Don't even know what revival is. Now somebody said, well, he's mad. I'm not mad. I'm actually very happy tonight. (laughs) If I get mad, you'll know when I'm mad. I'm not mad. I'm just talking. Root out. Root out. You know, it's worth to root something out. Who's ever gone and rooted something out in your yard? Well, it depends on how long the thing's been growing is how long those roots are. You start pulling roots, it goes 10 foot that way, 15 foot that way. It's under the porch, lifting up the porch. Pull down, destroy, the smithereens, throw down. Once you've done that, then you can build and plant. We, we, we had a revival in central Florida in the month of March of 93. Over 100,000 people came through the buildings. That was before the internet. And uh, they asked me, said, would you take over the church? And I said, no. He said, you can have the whole property. The building. I said, no. They said, why not? I said, the people aren't here for this church. They're just coming for revival. I said, hundreds of churches are coming from Daytona Beach all the way to Clearwater. And if I took over this church, there'd be nobody here. Because, first of all, I had to clean out everybody that you have here <laughs> first. Are you with me? No, no. The people, the people love you. I said, no, they love revival. But they would not drive here to Lakeland. They're not going to drive and come here daily to church. It's not going to happen. So I uh, probably shouldn't have done it. I was only, what, 31 years of age at the time. So you do things when you're younger that you probably wouldn't have done now. But on one night I arrived in the service. I think we had, we had like 8,000 people there. So I thought, okay, he's arguing with me in the back room. He said, no, no. Our people here, I said, Pastor, your people aren't here. I'm just telling you, there's nobody here. He said, no, they're here. So I walked out. I said, I want everybody from this church to stand up. And then I counted. I think 187 people out of 8,000 people. So then he dropped his head and was looking at his feet. I said, oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. But I had to prove my point. Are you with me? And so then... Uh, we got in the back room, so he looked at me and said, so what do you want me to do? you want me to go? What must I tell my people? I said, you can get up and tell them you've been preaching rubbish for the past 30 years. They, they, they know you've been preaching rubbish. That's why people have been leaving in droves. Are you with me? Because <laughs> he said, what do I preach after you've been here? Two meetings a day. You know, the first four, I mean, work that out. Sunday to Friday, two meetings a day for four weeks, 48 services. Pe- people don't want to preach. Of I said, Let's preach the Bible. Let's preach the Word. Where do I find it? I said, it's there. It's, it's like right there. Every chapter you can preach. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I don't know what to look for. And basically, it was a church that just really accommodated everything. One Sunday, they'd have somebody preaching that God kills people. The next Sunday, God heals the next Sunday, they'd have people prophesying over everything that moved, you know, everybody. I mean, toothless people running around prophesying over people. People were handing out prophecies in the parking lot, you know. Then they were lighting incense, lighting special candles and menorahs and wearing a prayer shawl. And I mean, you never knew what was going on. The first service was for the people that only liked hymns. And that was from eight to nine. And I went there, I I told pastor, I can't preach at the thing. It's just, you do a better job. You have a way of taking a 20-minute sermon and making it feel like three hours. I can't do that. So I said, you do that early service. The second service, it was kind of a mixture between some hymns and some newer songs, but basically just, you know, more accommodating to people that wanted more of a worship experience. And that was kind of okay, I guess. But they just, you know, just weren't really looking at the clock and couldn't wait to be extracted out of there. You know, when you come to church looking at your clock to leave, you're in the wrong place. I mean, just don't even know what to say. I mean, if you're looking at the clock wondering when they're going to finish, you wonder why they even come. What are you even doing here? Amen. It's not a funeral. Unless your name's Ananias, your wife's name's Sapphira, and you're planning on croaking. Um. It's not a funeral. You go to many places, you think this is a funeral service. God must have died last night and we were not informed about it. Look at their faces. Look how long their faces are. And thank God for the worship tonight. Thank God for the great worship. But in some places, Lord have mercy. I could have done done better with a cat under my arm squeezing the thing's neck, you know. Horrendous stuff. Horrendous stuff. (coughs) (laughs) (coughs) 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 If you're getting mad at me right now, because that little religious devil is starting to surface here, I'm going to get rid of it here before the night's out. Yeah. I'm going to root it out. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to root that thing out. I'm going to pull it out by the roots. You might foam at the mouth a few times, but I'm going to pull it out. And so uh, the third service was the most lunatic place I ever saw. Anything went. It was the crazy, from everything I talked about this morning, the blowing of the chauffeurs, the waving of the flags, the prophetic words. It, it, was, it was like a nightmare on Elm Street Part 14, you know. And sadly now, that place doesn't exist anymore and was bulldozed to the ground, which I told them. I said, because here's what they said. They said, don't listen to what he says, because they didn't like what I was preaching. They said, just wait for the joy. Just wait for the joy. Don't listen to what he says. They didn't realize that the joy actually came on the back of a message. And so I remember one day standing there said, if you do not hear what the Spirit of God is saying, the day will come when they'll stand at the back of this vast auditorium and roll a bowling ball down the front of the, through, underneath the pews and not even hit one person. And it came to pass even as the Lord said, because God is not mocked. Are you with me? You can't you can't come and just say, well, we don't like the message. We just want the manifestation. Are you with me? Well, we, we just want the manifestation. We just want the miracles we just want to get touched by God's joy and is present. Well, then your doctrine needs to be right, which that's another thing that people don't even have. They don't even have doctrine. They don't even know what doctrine is. They believe in anything. You could get a better sermon from AI. Would put together a better Holy Ghost service, a better Holy Ghost sermon than what these pablam preaching Punks are handing out on a Sunday morning with their skinny jeans, soy latte drinking preachers with moves bigger than their wife. Sorry, I just had to say it. <laughs> carrying their little handbag. Some girly man preacher carrying a hand, little his little man back. And yet these are the first people to shut down the church. Close down the church. Girlie men. Probably takes time swapping wearing his wife's thongs. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say it. (laughs) Spends more time in Victoria's Secret than Cheetah. everyone say root out pull down throw down destroy say it again root out pull down throw down destroy say it again Let me say it like you actually mean it. uh, Root out. (laughs) Praise God, brother. We're going to go root it out. (laughs) We're going to pull it down, brother. We're going to throw it down. Sure you are. We're going to destroy it. Yes. Sure you are. So I've had people over the years, you know, try to say, "Brother Ron, if you just change your message a little bit, you know, more people would like it." As though I went to the ministry with a message so people could like. Let me give you a little bit of a rest for just a moment. I'm gonna play a clip. Give you some of you time to catch breath. There's oxygen under the seats. You can recover. A couple of you might need to go and just release the pressure of your thong, and you'll be okay. I'm talking to the men now. Sorry, I had to just say that. Let me let me give you a quick overview of what the Lord's been doing in the ministry. Just roll it, if you would, please. There'll be a video show, here uh, shortly. Takes a while, modern technology is not as quick as the old stuff used to be. We used to, there it is. Winnie really from a uh, little boy, I felt the call to come to America. We came here December of 1987. Three children, five, three, seven months, landed with $300 because we felt God call us here as missionaries to America. We found ourselves crying out to God that God would come and move. That led us for what happened in April of 1989 when the Bible broke out in upstate New York. We didn't realize that what took place that week would begin to pick up momentum throughout 89, 90, go back to Southern Africa for three months, see it hit our country, 91, 92, and then what would take place in Central Florida in 93, Lakeland, Carpenter's home church, an explosion that in six weeks, of 100,000 people came through the doors. That would then catapult us across America and then to the nations of the world. What I begin to see the Lord begin to do is almost like send us on a mission. The whole of Australia is shaken in the 95 period. South Africa, shaken. England, right across Europe, Germany, Philippines, Singapore. What was so amazing is just to watch one place catch fire then the demand comes for you to go to another place and then you go there. It was actually in one of our biggest meetings in Singapore in 95. That's when God spoke to us about the River Church. We started first day of December, 1996. 575 people showed up. led to the opening of the River Bible Institute, the following here. What, in essence, the Lord allowed us to do from 96 until the present was to raise up an army of people that would go do what we do without us doing it. I remember the early part of 98, we were in Ozark, Alabama, went to sleep, and in this dream, I was standing looking over New York City, and standing next to me was Dr. Billy Grant. He had had one of the great revivals in New York City, Madison Square Garden back in the 50s. I was standing there, and he was talking to me about it in the dream. I began to weep uncontrollably. Got out of bed and I knew exactly what that meant. I heard the Lord say go to New York City and launch one of the biggest soul winning crusades since the 50s. One thing led to another, we went and negotiated on Madison Square Garden, rented it for six weeks in the summer of 99 in an event that would cost $6.7 million, trained up the harvesters, gospel soul winning script was birthed we saw 48,459 people give their lives to the Lord. Everything we're doing today was kind of birthed there. The message that was preached on the 30th of July, 99, that there was a storm coming, talking about the rise of terrorism, nations from the downfall of America to speak, America's not ready for what's coming. What would happen if a missile landed in the middle of New York City? Two years before 9-11. I can promise you on the day of 9-11, I had a sense of relief, which I know that sounds crazy, but I remember standing up the Sunday after 9-11 and I said to everybody, had we not obeyed, I would have resigned the ministry today because I would not even be considered fit to even be in the ministry, that we obeyed God and we did what God told us to do. The comfort is knowing that you are doing exactly what God wants you to do nothing greater than just obeying the Lord. Whether in the eyes of man, it matters not, but obey Him. So, 99 was New York. 2000 was Shreveport. 2001, God gave us our world headquarters here, 83 acres of property. In the end of 2002 was a very uh, major, major thing for us because our middle daughter Kelly, uh, she died in my arms on Christmas Day. She battled for 18 years with genetic disease called cystic fibrosis. On Christmas Day, yeah, you are holding your daughter in your arms and she's dying in your arms. And it was just past her 18th birthday. As a minister, I had to make a decision what the devil walked in there and stole my daughter from me or I'm gonna put her on the altar. I just, in my heart, felt I'm gonna give the Lord my best gift today, Christmas day. But I make a vow that the devil will pay a hundred million souls and a billion dollars into world missions. It's amazing how these things happen but I know that God hears the cry and honors the vow. So when you make a vow for 100 million souls, you have to go get the souls. Where do you go to get the souls? Africa. So we went to Soweto. Went from there to Mazi, then to Mamalodi, then to Ndalsani, and we were doing one every six months. I'm looking at this field, the whole place was dance. People were just happy. We were gonna roll right through Africa and get this 100 million souls. It was in that fourth meeting where the Lord said to me, America. I was a little shocked. I said, Lord, we going off of the 100 million souls, he said, America is your primary call. He said, clear the calendar, focus on the US. Don't go rent stadiums like you did before. Just use churches. We went to 55 cities in 27 months from 2007 through the early part of 2009, and saw 1.1 million people saved. So then the Lord opened up, back in His London, the 50 days of glory, the nightly telecast, and over 300,000 people come to know Jesus, and the Lord said, I'm going to do that in America. 2011, Christian Television Network opened to us six hours every night, seven nights a week over 660,000 phone calls. Through television alone, 120,000 saved. And then through all of the people downloading the script, mobilizing and reporting through the soul-saving stations and the outreaches of the ministry, that year, 1.1 million people were saved. So what we saw was an acceleration Given all of what we're doing with the Great Awakening from 2011-2012, by, by 2013, I didn't even know if we even had a window to turn this thing around. I said, Lord, what do we even do? You know, is this thing too far gone? And I felt the Lord say, go to Washington, D.C. We went to D.C in the summer of 2014, rented Constitution Hall and issued a restraining order. So tonight, in the name of Jesus, and by the power of the name of Jesus, I come against the structure that is holding our nation in captivity right now. I bind it and I render it powerless and ineffective in the name of Jesus from the Supreme Court to the White House to the Executive Branch to the Congress and the Senate. I execute a restraining order against you right now by the power of the blood of Jesus. You stop in your maneuver against this land. 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19, right in the Capitol. We walked every office of the Congress, every office of the Senate, served so 56,000 people saved. So here we are, our my World Headquarters. This is a place of, of launching. It's a, a place of raising up revivalists for the 21st century. They're gonna go from here and go out and light fires in the nation of the earth. It's also a place where people come from other nations and get ignited. And then it's a place of broadcasting. We welcome all of you watching by way of Christian Television Network on the Dish and Direct platform, and by way of the World Wide Web. Literally thousands of people are watching. The same anointing that's in this place will come right into your house and touch you. I feel what God put together here is is a launching pad to carry revival to the nation of the earth. When the Lord gave us 83 acres, I felt that we wouldn't build till we had definite plans. And of course, that has taken place here you know, the last couple of years. We felt the Lord tell us, build as though money was no object. We're not going to borrow from the banks. We're basically going to dig a ditch and watch God fill it. And really just see the Word of God work. What has resulted is is the plans for the full 83 acres, which is going to be the new sanctuary. Everything from the new children's church, youth facility, everything related to the church, bank, restaurants, and then all of the other things that will come about on the property, which will unfold as we build. So let's see what the Lord is going to do. This is an adventure that will be as much an adventure for us as it will be for everybody else. In the 1700s, America had what was known as the first great awakening. That first awakening shook America. A hundred years later, they had the second great awakening. What we believe in God for is a third great spiritual awakening. The first two awakenings actually affected the culture. There have been revivals over the last hundred years, but it's not affected the culture of America. An Awakening affects everything, from the houses of government to every house. And that's what we believe in God for, another great spiritual Awakening.
2: are many without a smile on their face I see pain I see fear I see confusion in their eyes and their happiness is all faded away but there's someone who can heal the broken-hearted, and in his love there's peace evermore but how will they know?
1: So, the overview really is two countries short, and another million souls have been won since that overview was done. The hardest thing we have is the staff keeping up with keeping the overview up to date. As I see, 88 countries, 45 million decisions. I'm at about 100 million souls. We're going to get that. As a fact, we're probably over that, but people don't report everything. But we'll just stay with what's reported. Can you say amen? Now, you see, there's a lot of international nations there because obviously when God called me here, called us as missionaries to America. But I'll tell you, I've actually given up on America quite a few times. (laughs) And I won't get into the details why, but um, obviously haven't given up on it now. You'll see a lot of times when I just made a run uh, internationally was just because i 'd say i 'm done you know i 'm just kind of done with this you know you only can you can only take so much when you have to wrestle with preachers when coming into the city to win souls and you have to argue with them, <clears throat> and the Lord of course now has given his way to bypass the religious structure, just go in and get the souls, which then you have to have new churches be planted so that 's what is on our heart, and I see that 's on your heart i 'm excited about. Fort Worth and what's about to happen there. You know, I know you're doing monthly meetings, but you've already announced what probably is going to happen, which is good. I'm very excited. Amen. I was so excited. I watched the whole of Friday night and it was awesome. I could feel it. Amen. So, one of the problems that we're dealing with all these seeker churches, and they're just there to seek. instead of finding. Amen. You know, you seek while you're looking, but when you found him, you have him. Amen. We don't need an entry-level place where people can come and taste God, like a little room where you come and taste him. See, like, that's what they have when you go for ice cream. You go and you pick what flavor you want You, you want to taste. Let me taste that. Let me taste over that. Well, I'm going to go over here. Let me go taste Revival Today Church. You don't, you come sit and dine at Revival Today Church. We come taste you. Hello. We just want to see if if I'm going to like it there. Well, if that's that's the case, then every pastor is going to go out of his way to make it more palatable for you. So you don't like it. What don't you like? Please tell us. What would you like us to do? We can move the building five foot to the right. Would that be greater? You don't like the parking space. Whatever you would like, just tell us. We want to make you comfortable here. Uh, it's not a problem. It's come, there's room for all of all of you. I know you're running drug deals in the parking lot, but it's fine. You know, we make room for everybody. Amen. We just try to, between hits, if you can just actually attend a service every now and then, it'd be great. I know you're tithing off of the sale of the weed and uh, you're selling special cookies outside and all that kind of stuff, but. Which you know you laugh about, but that's what people are basically are doing—making accommodation for everybody. But revival doesn't make accommodation for everybody. In actual fact, the gospel is very plain. It says, it "says Broad is the way that leads to destruction; many there be that find it." But narrow is the way. In actual fact, the scripture says, "Narrow is the way, constricted by pressure, and few there be that find it." Few there be that find it. So, there's no broad way of the gospel. Oh, there's many ways to God. No, there isn't. There's only one way, and His name is Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. There's only one blood that will wash you clean. It's the blood of Jesus. And there's only one way to get cleansed. is by repenting of your sin and asking God to forgive you. And then He'll come and He'll do that. And He'll wash you clean and set you free. The gospel's the same. It's the same, no different if you were walking in the days of the apostles, and you're walking today. We don't have to change it to suit the 21st century. Just preach it plain. Thank God we don't have to change the scripture. People coming out with new translation. I see they just came out now with the Queen James Bible, and I'll leave you interpretation of what that means. The Queen James Bible for the pastors with the pink mantis. Amen. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Who could believe that in this hour that we're sitting, even facing, somebody contacted our church, really somehow got hold of my email, said to me, if we would like you to come to a special meeting in Brandon, which is just down the road from us. Bunch of major pastors are coming together to discuss the LGBTQ++, whatever. We'd love for you to come to so we can actually discuss what we're going to do. You know, it's a new time we're living in. I thought, hell no. Amen. Not yeah. coming to discuss any, anything. And we've seen a lot of people delivered, coming out of that, set free. And I won't get into that, but we treat everybody the same, preach the same gospel, and then repent and get set free by the Lord. But I don't have time to go sit and listen to a bunch of preachers, especially the ones that close their churches, So now discuss how we're going to deal with LGBTQ+++. I'll leave that to Uncle Joe and Aunt Kamala to handle those issues, and to your great Ex-governor, now senator of the state of Pennsylvania, we'll leave it to him. He is coherent enough to be able to intelligently deal with those problems. Can you say amen? And I think your former health secretary, that great contribution you made, Pennsylvania, to the state, to the United States, we salute you there. You've sent us your brightest and your best. And they definitely are shining in Washington, D.C. tonight. Thank you, Pennsylvania. Thank you. I thank God for all the ministries that are blazing the trail. But I feel like this next three-year period of time, we're going to see more and more ministries launch out beyond their church, into their state, into their region, across to the next county. You don't have to go to Guatemala. Guatemala's come here. Uh you you don't have to go to Mexico. Mexico has arrived. You don't have to go uh, to Costa Rica. Costa Rica now is here. So you don't have to get a passport and get on a plane and fly anywhere. Not that even flying anywhere, you might even get there. It might take you three days now. In extra fact, They're contemplating going back to the days of the Ox Wagon as better transportation across the United States. These days, as you can see, what's actually happened. If you fly anywhere today, you've got to put two days to get there and two days to get back. And that's not because of the weather. That's just because of the great transportation we now have as our airlines now rank like 35th in the world. So you might say, well, Pastor, why is America in this condition? Because of the churches. Because of the preachers. Because of the pulpits. Lukewarm pulpits, lukewarm pews. We have to put fire in the pews. We have to preach the fire into people. And so they set ablaze and they go out and wreak total havoc in the camp of the wicked. Revival is not just about coming to a meeting and having a touch and shake, bake, and quake and fall down, roll in the ground and go out. Back to your normal way of life. Revivals are not people. Revival is a whole herd of swine running down the hill into the sea. Revival is a roof being ripped up and people being let down through the roof. Revival is people climbing up a tree because they want to get a better view of Jesus. Revival is also taking a, a whipping, turning over the bankers of the day. Can you say Amen revivals many things you can read about it everywhere jesus went it's what he had while people talk fondly of the great awakenings of the 1700s and the great awakening of the 1800s they definitely would not talk fondly about it today the preachers never fit the mold they never just blend in they're always strange mob of people they're not the ones that everybody would choose if they were voted on they definitely would never be voted in but that's god he takes ordinary people very ordinary people and touches them with a fire and then sends them out. They're not going to fit in. And they will cause trouble for the devil. And there'll be an upheaval. Can you say amen? amen. Now go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We were there last night, this morning. Who of you here for the first time of this whole week, wave your hand. Look at that. Wow. Well, just want to tell you, we've had a great time without you, which is scary. Fortunately for you, I leave tonight. So, fortunately for you, amen, because I've watched some of you just staring at me. But anyway, I pray God will get you right where you are. Now, chapter 2, and let's read verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But look at this. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because he's spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So God calls individuals and puts them in assignments. If you go back to chapter 1, and we read that, we read that, This morning, I believe it was, verse 18, for the preacher in the cross, to them that perish is foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, and the Jews a stumbling block, and of the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble were called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, that God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to nought the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And then, if you would go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity and captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth? He that ascends the same also descended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come in the unity, the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect and mature man, unto the measure, of the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, cunning, craftiness, whereby the lion wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things which are the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint. Supplies according to the effectual work in the measure of every part maketh the increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. And then let me let me read one, one more passage here. Amen. Let's go to First Corinthians, and we'll go to chapter chapter twelve. First Corinthians, chapter twelve. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. you know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, and that no man could say that Jesus is a Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, you can underline that, but the same spirit and there are differences of administrations underline that, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations. But it's the same God. You see there diversity diversities of gifts, differences of administrations, diversities of operations, but the same Spirit, the same Lord, and same God. But the manifestation the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit another gift of faith, by the same Spirit another gift of healings, by the same Spirit another work of miracles, another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kind of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh in one and self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. Now when it comes to the body of Christ, every born-again believer has an assignment as a child of God. First of all, the only way into this family, you have to get saved. You have to come to the place, repent of your sin, Confess Jesus as your Lord and make him Lord of your life. And then, of course, being of our Pentecostal persuasion, you then to go and get baptized in water. That does not mean you get some little sprays on your head. That means they take you and dip you under, bury you under the water, which is very important that you follow Jesus through the waters of baptism. Are you with me? And then also that right after that, you begin to renew your mind to the Word of God, to take God's Word and begin to walk according to what the Word says you are, not according to what some psychiatrist says you are. Amen. 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 And then get the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking of the tongues, but also get the power that comes along with it. A lot of people get a language but get no power. And uh, you might as well get the power. There's actually a power that comes with the baptism and the Holy Ghost. Now, that's available for every believer. And then these signs will follow you. You can lay hands on the sick. That doesn't mean, say, you're an evangelist or healing ministry, or you now must go on television with a great miracle ministry. It just means you're a believer that lays hands on the sick and people get healed. You can cast out devils. That doesn't mean you have some special deliverance ministry now. That just means you cast out devils. Are you with me? And uh, you can prophesy too. That doesn't mean say you're a prophet. You know, everybody can operate under the simple gift of prophecy, but that doesn't make you a prophet. And then even a blind squirrel will find an acorn every now and then. Are you with me? So you've got people, you know, find a prophetic word. And there's people even running off prophetic words from 20 years ago. And they're looking like through reams of prophetic words, like they're going through the prophecies of Nostradamus or something, trying to go in the quatrain, you know, to try to see what's going on. They're reading tea leaves that come from some granny that prophesied and she finished a cup of tea and the leaves were pointing in a certain direction. So, no, I mean, why am I saying that? Because there's gifts that are given to men. And these gifts given are given by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not given by man. No man can appoint you in as apostle. No man can appoint you as a prophet. No man can appoint you as anything. Jesus, the head of the church, appoints you. And then men recognize the call of God in your life. And then the title will come because of the power connected to the title that goes along with the office. But just because you call yourself a title there's no mean to say you walk in that office and there's many people They went. We saw that even at River University. Students that come, they're in the first nine months program. Four months later, they leave college. They're in a garage over in Brandon and they be made associate pastor and now they are apostles. I said, <laughs> I heard that. I said, my God, they do. Cr- How quick is that? Four months they come here out of the world just walking in. They were smoking joints five months ago, and now they're apostles, it's unbelievable, never seen anything like it in my life. They're sitting there with their wife and their son, his wife, their dog and cat, and a parrot named Molly, and they're running the apostolic ministry from their garage on a Zoom. Uh, they're Zooming into all the world and preaching the gospel, and they Anyway, I can go on about it. I've never seen so many people that have suddenly burst into some apostolic calling and some snaggletooth woman showed up and just begin to prophesy, you know. And it's amazing how people will be led by that nonsense. And we have that come around the river. I showed them where the door is. Amen. (laughs) One guy showed up one Sunday and he said, I'm Jesus Christ. And he had a little woman no teeth in her head. And she testified that she was his wife and that he was Jesus Christ and that he was to preach there that Sunday. And I said, well, um, I just spoke to Jesus just a few seconds ago. He never mentioned your name. So I'm going to show you where the door is. And then he began to cuss me out and told me great curse would come upon my ministry. So we gave him the left foot of fellowship and sent him off. (laughs) Amen. But so These gifts don't grow on trees. God is the one that calls people. In actual fact, when God calls people, like I said, he chooses the most unlikely people. I mean, if we had to choose, we would not pick them from a lineup. You know what I mean? We said, they have a strange appearance. They speak strangely. And they're a little quirky. But, um, I mean, couldn't the Lord really maybe have picked somebody a little different? But God doesn't look at it that way. Are you with me? He just says, come here. I'm going to use you. I'm going to put my hand upon you, and I'm going to touch you. I'm going to put my anointing upon you, and you're going to be used by me. And I don't want you to go everywhere. Just go where I tell you and go to the people that I send you and stay within the framework of what I've called you to do. And when you do that, I'll bless you, and I'll be with you. Don't seek to copy what another's doing. Don't seek to imitate what another's doing. Don't seek to walk in the same path of another, but let me take you and the path that I have for you, and uh, my hand will be upon you, my blessing will be upon your life. Don't get into competition with other preachers about what they're doing. You do only what I tell you to do, and you rejoice as others are blessed, and you'll be blessed, and you'll be excited, and you shall be happy, and you'll be at peace, And you'll see the hand of God upon your life. The last time I checked, there's 8 billion people on the planet. So we've got a lot of work to do. Can you say amen? Everybody's always upset because another church opened up. But as you know, the churches are closed all the time. Uh, Many churches open up. It doesn't mean to say they're going to be here five years from now. That's why I try to tell every evangelist, don't book yourself five years into the future. You'll be booking yourself into churches that already will be closed down by the time you get there. Are you with me? I mean, just a couple of months ahead it will be fine. That way you stay with the spontaneity of heaven. Amen? Amen. We're not impressed by you saying, "I'm, I'm booked up for the next five years. Great. Those pastors won't even be there by the time you get there. Are you with me? Somebody said, what happened to them? I don't know. Another strain of COVID come through. Anything could happen. Wife stabbed him 17 times in (laughs) self-defense. A lot of things go wrong. Are you with me? Amen. So, I heard it today. The woman stabbed her husband 17 times, 37 times, because she found pictures of a beautiful woman. But then, after she killed him, she realized it was actually her when she was at, at before she lost the weight. You know, so she, uh, yeah, sad. I'm not sure what happened. She found these pictures on his phone. It was actually her uh, from years ago, and he just had stored them. And he was just keeping them, and and she found them and she killed him. She felt he was having an affair. It was actually her, but too late. Johnny's dead. So. Uh, and he was preaching at the First Assemblies of God Church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just tease it. It was a joke. It just was a joke. He wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, of course, he's permanently handed in his credentials, if it, if it, if it was. Anyway. <laughs> so God's the one that calls. God's the one that anoints. And God calls. And the way he does that, is by a burning fire, which we call a desire, that drops into people. And that fire is a consuming fire, and the fire comes upon you, and you can't shake it. It doesn't matter what you do. That fire came on me for America as, old boy, at the age of five, I would preach to my teddy bears, I would line them up, I'd lay hands on them, they'd all fall under the power. Amazing, when I prayed for the bears, there wasn't a bear that braced himself, that held his hand, that was doing this. The bears just went out. The moment I touched them, they fell out of the power. Amen. And then my brother and I took the bears, and we went to the bathroom and filled the tubs and baptized them by full immersion. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we baptized them. And probably every week, they were getting baptized And these are bears back in the 60s. They weren't made to handle that kind of abuse. There were probably three baptism maximum bears. They should have had a label on here: Do not baptize this bear more than three times. And we served them communion. And they had grape juice stains all down the front of the bears. And then, of course, I mean, they just start coming unglued. Eyes fell off, ears fell off, and... So now we had to have a miracle service. I'd ask my brother, what's wrong? I said, my little brother, he's three, I'm five. What's wrong with the bear? He's blind. He's blind. Come here, let me pray for this bear. What's wrong with this bear? He Bear's deaf. Let me pray. What's, what's happening? something wrong with his stomach. The stuffing's coming out of his stomach. And then my mother would sew the eye back on. And the, she never really always caught the identical eye, but it was another button, you know what I mean? So, a bear with a... Proper eye and then this big button on it. But at least it looked like an eye. When you fire, I guess it looks like an eye. And it uh, could have been a monocle. Not sure what it was. And then uh, then we didn't have to have a miracle service. We had a testimony service. Come here, Brother Brown. Tell us what happened. And well, this bear came to the service and he was blind but now could see. Praise God. What's, what's wrong with this bear? He was deaf and now could hear. And this bear was lame and now can walk. This bear was delivered from smoking 60 cigarettes a day and a pipe, which actually was my dad's testimony. God delivered him from smoking 60 cigarettes a day and a pipe. So the bears also had that same problem. So we had to get the bears delivered from, you know, smoking cigarettes. And uh, so God, many of our bears were saved multiple times. And then I would... Uh, hand the service over to my little brother, which mainly, mainly consisted of a hairbrush, which is a microphone. So if there's any kids here, if you really want to preach, use a hairbrush as a microphone because what's so great about it, is you can actually brush your hair in between as you're preaching. Hallelujah! You can brush your hair. <laughs> Praise God. Glory, glory to God. It, it, really, you'll find it so great. It's like a, a dual purpose, microphone, hairbrush. Just It's the new ministerial microphone hairbrush comes out. You can pick it up for 19.95 at Walmart. comes out in three colors. Amen. Which I thought it was because if you looked at the old microphones, they had those cones on. Remember the preachers from the 70s? They had these hairstyles that looked like head cover microphone covers. I thought that's what they've been doing. They've just been combing their hair. Sometimes you want to grab them and speak into the head. <laughs> that guy make a good microphone head cover. And there was all the styles of the 70s. If you remember, some of you, maybe you couldn't because you were, you were zoned out back in the 70s and you don't really remember much from that time period. Um, and so I would hand the service over to my brother and climb out the window and go in the backyard in the city of Port Elizabeth in the Eastern Cape of Southern Africa and go to preach in America. I was in America. I'd be in the backyard preaching, just walk around, preaching to some trees, preach to a couple of pumpkins. My mother was growing. And then come back through the window. My brother's preaching. I grabbed the hairbrush from him, take over the service. And just, sorry to interrupt the service. <laughs> I'm back from America. I've come to tell you what great things the Lord has done, you know. And so quite amazing that God would send me to a land that's filled with bears. Well, you think I'd be praying for elephants and lions and buffalo and didn't with bears. And so nothing's changed. If you look around you, you'll see people sitting here. You'll see stuffing has been knocked out of some of them. And some of them looking at me. There's a couple of growled a few times here during the service. So um, I feel totally at home. Nothing's changed From the time I was five until now. Are you with me? (laughs) She's right there along with me. She knows exactly what's going on. Amen. Thank you. My number one supporter right over here. Amen. So growing up in church, sitting under the ministry's not personally, because they were there, but by way of film, of Dr. Billy Graham, the great R. Roberts, and about the crusades that he did. A.A. A. Allen, and many of the greats, down through the years. And of course, they all come from America. So I actually thought the Lord lived in America. I thought he must be, I mean, look at the power that comes out of America. God must live there. When I came to America, then I found that he actually didn't live here. But there were people that were living here that had cried out to him and that God had come and visited them. If you listen to their stories, very unique, each one, many of them were actually failures in what they even attempted to do, from R. Roberts, T. L. Osborne, A. Allen, all of them. But one day, they made a connection. One day, they stepped from one realm into another, and then God put his hand upon them and began to use them in a profound way. I believe there's people that God's going to do the exact same thing with here in this room tonight, and you that are watching by way of television, and I'm speaking expressly in relationship to the United States of America. Somebody said, well, I'd like to go overseas. Again, I said, you don't have to go overseas. We have every nation, tribe, and tongue living here. You you can be used of God in America to shake whole nations, because some of the top people from those countries are here, and some of the bottom people are here as well. You know, that's just the way it works, because they're sending undesirables. In extra fact, sending people out of prisons. Send them over here, and that's all part of the new immigration policy. That's what's happening in the whole of Europe at this time. But I believe it's going to backfire on them. And God's going to use many of these people to bring revival to America, to shake America <clears throat> to the very core. Can you say amen? Amen. So tonight, I just felt in my spirit to really talk to you a little bit about the United States. You know, tomorrow so-called 4th of July, we don't celebrate the 4th of July, we, we, celebrate our, we celebrate our freedoms and our liberties, and we don't wait for the 4th of July to do that, we celebrate that every day. Can you say amen? amen? And these are God-given rights, these are God-given rights and privileges given to us. But God put America upon our heart, and so new churches have to be built. And these new churches have to be Holy Ghost churches. They have to be built. And they have to be built by Holy Ghost people. That's why I'm so glad you started your school. And I believe everybody that comes here, God's going to raise them up in a powerful way that will carry the mandate that's on Revival Today Church. Somebody said, how could you say that? you have a school? I totally understand that. I'm not in competition. In fact, my wife and I encouraged them. We knew they were going to start a church before they knew. I, I knew it. I could see it already was going to happen. And I told them, you're going to start a school and we'll help you get the school going. So we're in 100% agreement with everything going on here. Are you with me? Yes. That's why even though I hate coming up to Pittsburgh, I made every adjustment possible to be here. Because... <laughs> I mean, who wants to leave Florida? I mean, seriously. All Pittsburghians come to Florida. You know how I know who they are? Because they sit in my services totally sunburnt. I'm not sure if they use cucumber on the eyes, but all the ladies sit with the white patch around the eye and the rest is burnt to a crisp. I go, you're from Pittsburgh, aren't you? It's Pittsburgh. We're glad to have several people here from Pittsburgh. You, you didn't know. You're just from the suntan that they have. They Pittsburghians. Amen. So, how many in this room tonight? You feel something in your spirit about the United States of America? Three people. That's phenomenal. Gonna have great results here tonight. Amen. <laughs> How many are in the full-time ministry here? Please raise your hand. All right. How many pastors? All right. Good. How many evangelists? And maybe should I call for apostles? (laughs) And and prophets? To, To be totally honest with you, don't. I mean, obviously, if you're pastor, you're pastor. If you're a you're evangelist. But don't run around and try to call yourself some big calling. Just go do the work and keep it as a mystery as to what you really are. So people always guess, well, what are you? Um, what do you think I am? I am what you think I am. Amen. But I am what he says I am. Can you say Amen. What we are doing right now is just running to cities, lighting fires. I'm doing that just one-night rallies, lighting a fire. It's like one-night upper room meeting. And I'm actually not looking for the whole crowd to catch fire. I'm just basically looking for 120 so it's like my expectation is pretty low. Are you with me? If I can get 120 people set ablaze, even tonight, if I out of this crowd, if I can get 120 people set on fire, then it's been worth it to me. Amen. 120 people. That's what was there in the upper room. That's what those meetings are, the upper room meetings. Amen. People that are going to be ignited by the Holy Ghost set ablaze, dipped in the kerosene of heaven. Now when that fire comes on you, that fire which is a burning passion, a burning desire, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger until so you can't but not do it. You have to do it. Woe is me if I don't obey. You feel compelled of the Lord. You have to go. You have to do what He's called you to do. Somebody said, Well, I don't really have an invitation. You don't need an invitation when you've been given a commission to go to all the world and preach the gospel. Somebody said, well, nobody invited me. If you're going to sit and wait for an invitation, you're going to wait a long, long time. When I started out, nobody invited me, so I actually wrote the invitation to myself. <laughs> I just sent, took a long time for a postcard to get to me, or a letter, I just wrote a letter. Uh, wrote down brown, opened up, and it was me inviting myself to come preach. I said, honey... Somebody just invited us to come preach. It was me. There were times I wrote out a check, 5,000 bucks, and sent it to myself. Straight out. 5,000 just came in. Nothing came in. It was me. Just sending it in to myself. I was just, just had to encourage myself in the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, nobody wanted me. Nobody even cared. And uh, I always tell the story how when we started out, we, we, didn't, we didn't have any credentials or papers or whatever. And so any minister, you know, when I'm, I mean, Donna can I' be married, what, 41 years, this October 42 stand up, sweetheart, you know, my best friend of the whole world. And uh, so I was 20, she was 19. I had nothing. She had the car. That's why I married her, because I knew we could get out of town. I'm not stupid. Amen. She was my Uber driver before there even was an Uber. And, uh, <laughs> and but she, you know, I was a good salesman. I said, we're going to travel the world. We're going to go to the nations of the earth. And I, I, I didn't had, even have money. I had nothing. I had a vision. And I was a very good salesman because uh, she bought it. And she's been glad ever since. Amen. She still finds it strange. I mean, she still said she said to me the other day, somebody should follow you with a camera during the day. More things happen to you during the day. I can't keep up with it. My wife says this. She says, it's quite crazy what happens with you. So every night I have to come and say, what happened? I say, okay, when I left here, by 11 o'clock this happened. At 2 o'clock this took place. You won't believe what happened at 3. So I catch her up on, on events of the day. Otherwise, she only finds out when I'm talking to Jonathan. I'll be on the phone talking to Jonathan, my wife, because you never told me that. You didn't tell me that. When did that happen? I swear that it happened this morning, I was going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she knows, you know, uh, she listens on the phone. She listens to every phone call. Not because she's eavesdropping, it's just I'm always with her. And so I phone when she's there, so she hears everything. And there are times when she'll take over the call, you know. And it's great. It's awesome. Amen. When I fell asleep, yeah, she'd take over the call. Well, I thought it was check the news. It wasn't. It was just Jonathan talking, but I thought it was check the news. So, fell asleep. Anyway, this passion is what drives you. It's the passion that propels you. You'd rather die than not fulfill God's purpose and plan for your life. I believe there's people here tonight that the Lord put a call upon you years ago when you were a child, when you were a teenager, but you took the wrong turn and you went off on some rabbit trail. But I think you're ready now to say, okay. Somebody said, well, it's too late now. No, it's not. God will connect you back into what is the divine call for your life and God can make the next three years be as 30 if you just humble yourself and you allow yourself to be trained you can come right here to revival today uh, the, the the training center they have here, institute or if you make it down south you can come River University. we'll train you if you humble yourself just cuz you are old doesn't mean to say you know everything you're just old in your in your crooked wrong ways <laughs> amen but we can uncrook you we can we can we can we can we can take anybody that's humble, and in three years, we can make a transformation where people won't even recognize you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's just the way it is if you're humble and submit yourself, and we can do something. Somebody said, it's too late now. No, it's not too late. There's just enough time, and I believe that's what God's been doing here these last three years, separate the wheat from the tares. The profane from what's holy, the false from what's real, and been purifying His bride. I believe people are more willing now to get in the flow of what God wants than before. Sometimes you have to come to the end of yourself. You even have to come to the end of what you call ministry, to where you get desperate. Say, I'm tired, I've been doing this for 20 years, I haven't seen the results, and you have to get desperate. We'll help you. We'll help you. I spend many hours privately helping people. She'll tell you. My wife will tell you. Many, many hours of every day is spent talking to people, helping people, praying with people, encouraging people. Somebody said, well, I don't really feel too encouraged right now. You just shot all my ministries to pieces that I had. My wife and I just opened up a laundry ministry for ministers, for ministers with scriptures on it, and you just shot that to pieces, Pastor. <laughs> The kids playing in the back there that should be in the meeting. The kids running around in the back screaming that they actually should be sitting here under the anointing tonight, allowing God to do work in their life. Somebody said, well, Johnny doesn't want to. It's amazing how Johnny got the choice. I never had a choice. Our hides were tanned. We became Americans years before we even moved here. We had stripes and we saw stars. And our wails sounded like Rosie O'Donnell trying to sing the Star Spangled Banner. We were made to sit in church. If you budged, you were taken out and ministered to. you came back and you sat down. If you budged again, you were taken out and ministered to one more time. There were many times there was a weeping, a wailing, a gnashing of teeth. There were times you thought it was the final hour. The Battle of Armageddon. You, there were times my brother and I thought it was a great tribulation. That's why the Lord told us to have youth-reaking kids. We get the kids under the anointing. And so, some, some, some of the biggest hindrances to youth-reaking kids is, is the parents standing right by the little kid. Tell the parents, back off. Back off. The kids needs to get touched by God. You don't need to touch them. Leave, leave Mary alone. Leave little Johnny alone. You, you, you But bugging them too long. Just leave them. Let God touch the kids. Amen. The same with the youth. I walk down the lines, I see the young people sitting with the parents. I go, oh, I know who needs help here. It's not the kid, it's the parents. Are you with me? Not a delinquent kid, it's a delinquent parent. So come here, let me pray for you. I'm going to pray for this mother over here. You can see the kid's relief, thank God. I'm, I'm serious. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you the truth. So let's get back to this passion, this fire that's on you. God is a consuming fire, and this passion for America. You know, there's people that God has called, and I believe with a specific call to preach the gospel. The only hope for America is men and women full of the fire, full of the anointing of God. There's no other hope without preachers. Without men and women whose mouth has been set on fire, that would go and proclaim the gospel every day of the week and shout it from the mountaintops. We don't have mountains in Florida, but you do here. In this region, in the Appalachians. Shout it from the mountaintops and from the rooftops. That's how the gospel is going to get spread. And America is going to be changed, not by new laws or legislation that comes from the capital cities, or from Washington DC, but come in the pews from the pulpits as men and women are set on fire. And I'm just gonna say this and you can mark this down. If the men, if men will not be raised up, God will raise up another batch of ladies that will blaze the trail. Just like Amy Summer McPherson, Maria with Edda, and Catherine Coleman. God's not gonna be limited to one situation that meets the approval of a denomination. God will take somebody and put his fire on them and raise them up, and there'll be wrecking balls. I believe sitting in this room tonight are men and women that are gonna wreck what the enemy's doing. The devil's not gonna have America. He's not gonna have this land. He's not gonna have this land. And then God will give people direct assignments. There's ways of catching fish. And there's different places to catch fish. We reach the poor and the needy, which we have for years. But you have to reach the other group. The down and out and the up and out. The ones a skid row drunk. And the others a country club drunk. The one passes out, his face is in the gutter. The other one, his face is on a padded bar. But at the end of the night, their head is always where their rear end is supposed to be, hugging a toilet bowl. Oh, toilet bowl. Oh, toilet bowl, how you are, my friend, tonight. I feel your cool on my face. That's what they end up. They end up with their head where the rear end should be. Hello. Under the influence of alcohol. Alcohol that stained our nation, stained our country. And now, marijuana. Medicinal, whatever they want to call it. has stained our nation. And then all the cocaine and drugs and and all the synthetics. It's all the same in Australia. They sniff petroleum. They have cans of petrol. They sniff it and hand it to a two-year-old behind the mother on her back as they sniff petroleum. That's why we got so excited when you started doing the City Crusades in Philadelphia, New Jersey, and those places. There's other evangelists, great too. What just happened with you, Brother Ted, in Atlanta? Phenomenal! What just took place? Amazing. And what God's feeding you about the 10th this year and next year. And then evangelist Ankit, what God's doing through him, phenomenal. (laughs) And then the others, but they're pastors of churches. You can start evangelizing your own county. You can actually go to the next county. Take your musicians that only sing on a Sunday morning, and go get yourself a Holiday Inn or some ballroom at some Hilton in the next county and go fly a neighborhood and start having a meeting with 20 people and preach the gospel and take your people out. Come on, it's time. God never called us to go from Sunday to Sunday. He called us to go from glory to glory. Last week in Tampa, Florida, last week in Tampa, Florida, over 6,000 people were saved just on the streets, just on the streets, just ordinary people every single week. Some weeks it's low. During the conference, they'll get about a 1,000 saved, but then some weeks, three, four, five, six, there have been weeks of 10,000 people saved. It's like a vacuum cleaner. These people are winning the lost and out doing what Jesus says do, laying hands on the sick every Sunday. Miracles, we hear the testimonies, of miracles of people that are healed. Congregation members that are praying for everybody. You can't go anywhere without having hands laid on you in the city. And that's what's going to happen in the city of Pittsburgh. And that's what's going to happen in every city represented here. So everything has to stem from a Holy Ghost church. A Holy Ghost church that takes territory. And so I believe there'll be people that'll come And I believe there'll be many churches planted out of here, John. Many that are going to be ignited. They'll come see what God does here, come through the school, and they'll go out and they'll be planting them. It's going to be great. There's some things that I thought I wasn't going to do anymore and just help the younger guys do it. But the Lord spoke to me. He said, oh, no, Uh, you're going to do that. You saw the new building I showed you last night, the new layout. I said, Lord, how do I build this and do the cities? He said, focus on the cities. I'll build the building. I said, okay, well, what a novel idea. I'll just focus on the cities, and you'll build the building. And we'll see that happen by the hand of God. So I want everybody across this room, the service is not over and won't be over. I I leave here at about 11.20 tonight, and I have to go for a plane. So I'm not leaving early, so if you leave early, you're going to miss out. But I want everybody to bow your heads across this place here tonight. This morning, I laid hands on everybody here. Somebody said, oh, no, I missed it. I told you. I never knew when I was going to do it, but I felt to do it this morning. Somebody said you're going to land on everybody here tonight? No. I did that this morning. But nonetheless, the Lord's touching the people. There's people being touched right now by the fire of God. And every service is different. I'm not looking for the same manifestation every meeting. I'm just obeying the Lord. That's what the Lord told me to do tonight. You'll understand why between now and the conclusion. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give several calls here. The first call tonight for those that don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You've never ever given your life to the Lord. You've never said personally, Jesus, please come be my Lord and Savior. And I need to do that because salvation is a very personal thing. Somebody can't say the prayer for you or just pray it over you. You have to pray it for yourself and invite him to be Lord and Savior of your life. And if you let him do that, he will come and do that. You can't buy this, you can't earn it, it's free. But what would happen if tonight was your last night on the earth? What would take place? You went home and put your head on your pillow in the middle of the night. You breathed out your last breath. Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? I want you to know there's a heaven to again and a hell to shun. And you don't have to go to a devil's hell because 2,000 years ago on Calvary's cross, the price was paid and the blood was shed. And just like that old song said, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners' plunged beneath their blood. Lose all their guilty stain tonight. The power of sin will be broken. The power of guilt and shame will be removed from your life. You might have come in here one way, but you'll leave another way. Today he calls you. He stands with arms wide open. He says, come unto me. All you that labor and have a laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come. The way of the transgression is hard. There's a way that seems right to a man, but then the end thereof is death. But he calls you tonight. He says, Come. And surrender your life. You can't buy this. You can't earn it. It's free. Just humble yourself and say, yes, Lord, tonight I give you my life. Secondly, maybe you've come to this place. You say, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord. In days gone by, I've grown cold. I'm not serving God like I should. But tonight as you were speaking, I felt the pull of heaven. And tonight I want to surrender my life afresh. Maybe it's something hidden that no one can see. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. But tonight the Lord calls you and he says, come, 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 come. Will you surrender to him? Will you say, yes, Lord Jesus? Maybe it's not hidden. Maybe it's something outward that all can see and you feel, well, what's the use? Everybody can see what I've done and they all know if God even wanted to use me, that's done but they don't realize that your mess, God will turn around to become a message that will be amplified to help many people come out of their mess because they're people that are in a mess because they don't have Jesus. And God's going to use you in a powerful way to get people delivered and set the captives free. Will you surrender to him? And then maybe you hear tonight and you say, Pastor, storm came against my life. I was going along serving God. I was really on fire, but something hit me like a Mack truck from hell. A sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened. Rocked my world. But tonight, I'm coming back. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve him. And then lastly, if you hear and you say, Pastor, I do love the Lord, but I'm not sure. I don't have the assurance. I don't know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. Tonight, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm a child of God. I want to have that the confident assurance. Remember, when God looks at people, he looks at temperature. He looks at the temperature of people's heart. You're either hot, lukewarm, or cold. He said, I would that you were either hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. If you lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. In other words... Lukewarm believers makes God sick. And this is not the hour to be lukewarm. This is the hour to be radically on fire for God. And I want to give this call first. If this is you, right where you are, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if God is talking to you right now, quickly, put your hand in the air and say, pray for me right now. Slip it up high, right at the back. Another hand, another hand, another hand over there. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. Another hand over there. Hand over there, hand over there quickly. Slip it up high and say, yes, pastor, that's me. I understand this is a conference and they're ministers, but that means nothing. I've had preachers come forward. I've had preachers' wives get saved after 19 years, married to a pastor. It embarrassed the pastor. He told his wife, go sit down. She said, no. He said, I said, go sit down. You're my wife. He said, I've been married for 19 years. I've never been saved. I want to get saved tonight. I saw that happen in front of my eyes. I want you to put your hands down. I want you to look at me on this side over here, on this beautiful pavilion. If you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included in the prayer, we're going to pray right now, quickly. Slip the hand up right now say, so include me. Anybody else? Thank you. God bless you. This section here, didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Put your hand up right now. Say, so include me in the prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Raise up high. This section over here, didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Just slip that hand up right now say, include me. Right at the back, another hand over there. Anybody else? Then this, yep, thank you. This section over here, you didn't raise your hand, but want to be included. Quickly, slip that hand up and say, include me. Anybody else? God bless you. I want every person to raise your hand on those invitations. Stand your feet right now, quickly, all across the field. Stand up right now. Every person to raise your hand. I want you to make your way down the aisle and come stand. Don't move that brother, don't move that. Brother, brother, don't move that, leave it here. I'm coming back, leave it here. I want everybody to come stand over this side here, please. Come stand over this side. What about an angle? Come stand right over here. Tonight is your night. It calls you. It calls you tonight. It calls you tonight. It calls you. Come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, just come next line behind, quickly, guys, bring them around. Coming to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come. Come now, come down over the house into the ark, come. He's calling, Jesus is calling you. There's others right now. I just feel it in my spirit. I'm cold. one more time. You feel your heart pounding away. Quickly jump up from where you are and run down here now. It's time to get right with God tonight. It's time to get right with God. There's several others. Quickly, 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 quickly. I was five years old when I walked the aisle come. Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. The Bible says all heaven rejoices in one sinner that comes to repentance. Those of you watching, wherever you are, in your home, on your screens, if you need to pray this prayer together with me, pray it as I pray with them. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. I want you to close your eyes, raise your right hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. And pray this prayer off to me right now. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word if I confess with my mouth Jesus is my Lord and my Savior and I believe in my heart that God has raised you from the dead I will be saved so father right now I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior come into my heart right now take out the stony heart put in a heart of flesh Wash me, cleanse me, change me, fill me, use me. Let me never be the same again. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you that on the third day you rose for me. And thank you that you're coming back again for me. From this day on, I'll never be the same again. I confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. He is my Lord and my Savior. And right now, by faith in the finished work of the cross and by the shed blood of Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Lord, for saving me now. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast.
0: If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit RevivalToday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.